Well, I just want to say welcome and good morning to all of you. Uh, my name is Paul Mumaw. I'm the lead pastor here at Genesis Church. And uh, maybe by a show of hands, how many of you are hoping uh, that 2015 will be better than 2014? All right, anybody up for that? I think we'd all agree, no matter how bad or difficult 2014 was or how great it was, uh, we're always looking forward uh, to better things. And we're in the second week of this series uh, here at Genesis, a series called Better. And we're looking at different passages from the Bible uh, that use this this word better. Uh, last week we were in Psalm 84, Psalm 8410, uh, where the writer here says, and maybe you remember these words with me, that better is one day uh, in your courts uh, than a thousand elsewhere. He says, I'd, better be, I'd rather be a doorkeeper uh, in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wicked. What's the better way? Uh, it's a day with God. Uh, it's your relationship with God, uh, which is more important than anything else. Better is one day with God uh, than a thousand elsewhere. Well, today, I, I want to look at a second verse with you, another verse with you, and, and talk to you about something uh, that really has the potential uh, to impact your life. Uh, to make a great potential in your life. We, we, what we want to talk about today uh, has the potential to strengthen your relationship with, with God. It, uh, it's something uh, that, depending on how you choose to respond to it, it's something that could influence your marriage uh, or your relationship with your kids. Um, your response to these words today can change the way that you see life right now and see some of the circumstances around you. It, uh, it can change the way that uh, you see others. I mean, Christian or not, uh, today, what I want to talk with you about today, this message and these words uh, has the potential to make all of the difference uh, for you and for me, but it's up to you. I mean, it's really up to you to choose uh, what to do uh, with these words today. It's kind of like that uh, song uh, from just a moment ago, those words, every day uh, is a choice uh, to be made. And so we're going to look at these words together, uh, but again, you've got to decide what you're going to do with them. Um, hey, how many of you, how many of you like Skittles? We got any Skittles fans in the house? All right, I'm a Skittles fan. All right, if I had to pick a favorite candy, uh, I, I would choose a, a bag of Skittles or a handful uh, of Skittles. But I got to be honest with you, you know, back a year or two ago, they made a big change uh, in Skittle world. Uh, they took the green Skittle, which was formerly lime, and turned it into the apple flavor. And I just got to say, I'm not a big fan. All right, I'm not a big fan uh, of the move. I don't think it was a great move on, on their, uh, their part. In fact, I was looking online this past week, there's actually a petition that you can sign online to get the Skittles people to go back to lime-flavored candy. I don't know if it'll work or not, but, uh, uh, you know, again, Skittles is one of my favorites. Um, but here's what I want to do. I want to let these Skittles, uh, this bag of Skittles, represent one of the biggest lies uh, that our culture likes to teach us. And it's this lie that while uh, one handful of something uh, is really good, or especially Skittles, uh, two handfuls of something is even better. Again, it, it's just this culture's lie that, hey, you know, one handful of something is good, but two handfuls uh, of something is even better. I mean, it's kind of like this. I mean, if you've got a fourth grader, I mean, why put your fourth grader in one sport when they could be playing two sports, right? I mean, that's our, our culture's lie. Or, you know, uh, one dollar uh, may be very good the way that you choose to look at it, but two dollars is even better. Or uh, maybe you're out looking for a 
pair of shoes and you find yourself in this predicament of not being able to choose one pair over the other. And so one pair of shoes is great, ladies, but maybe two pairs of shoes uh, is even better. Or why would we settle for a one-car garage, you know, when instead we could have a two-car or maybe three-car garage? Again, it's this lie that more is always better. And it's nothing new. I mean, it goes all the way back. Uh, to the beginning of creation, to the Garden of Eden, where God created all things. And we know that he created Adam, he created Eve. And again, he put them in the garden together and he just gave them these instructions. He said, you know, have fun, be fruitful and multiply. And God gave them all that they could ever want except for one thing. He said, I'm going to put this tree in the middle of the garden. You can have anything and everything that I've created for you except for this one thing. Everything else is here for you to enjoy, but this one thing is not for you. And then what happens? Well, we know that along comes the spiritual enemy, and uh, he's got this lie. He's got this word. He's got this message that, hey, God's holding out on you. Uh, What you have isn't enough. Uh, you need something else. The, the message, the lie is and always has been that more is always better than less. But here's what I believe that God has for us. And really what I believe that he's put on my heart and the message that he has for me and for you and for our church today. It's a message that I want to show you. It's in your notes. Uh, if you're following along with us, uh, write this down. The message is this, that it's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. It's this lesson that it's better to have less of what doesn't matter matter so that we can have more of what really matters. Here's our verse for today. It comes out of the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6, which says, Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and a chasing after the wind. Let's all say it together as we work on these verses together. Say it with me. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Let's do it one more time together. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. The writer says this, it is better to have one handful to have tranquility, to have peace and calm in your life than to have two handfuls with toil, to to have the grind, to have the frustration, to all of the stress and the anxiety and the greed that's gonna come with it. He says it's, it's like a chasing after the wind, basically just meaning that's what fools do. I mean, there's no point to it. It's it's when we're pursuing things that don't really matter. The writer says, better one handful than two. Why is one handful better than two? Well, again, I I just think this verse is packed full of meaning uh, for so many different things in our life. I mean, he's talking about moderation. Uh, He's talking about the way that we see life, those things that we give our time and our attention to. I mean, he's saying, hey, this is what's most important. I mean, the way that you look at life, what you you put your hope in. and, And so he's talking about priorities. And again, why is one handful better? Well, take the way you view your possessions, um, uh, the things that you own. I mean, take them for example. I mean, if I hold my possessions with one hand, well, then what do I have? I've got an empty hand. And so for me, and maybe what this writer is getting at is if we hold those things that the Lord has provided uh, for us with one hand, then we have an empty hand. And so for, this, for us, this hand means I can help. 
Uh, this hand means that I can be generous. Uh, this ma- uh, hand means that I can encourage. This hand means that I can continue receiving. Uh, I think for us today, this hand represents availability, that I am able and willing to be used by God better one handful with tranquility than two hands with toil and chasing after the wind. He says it's better to have less of what really doesn't matter so that we can have more of those things so that we can have more of what does matter. And Jesus had something uh, very similar to say uh, about this. It comes from the New Testament, from the Gospel of Luke in Luke chapter 12, uh, verse 15, when he was talking to a group of people and he said to them, he said, uh, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Uh, life does not consist uh, in the abundance of possessions. Um, uh, if any of you have paid any attention at all over the last uh, couple of weeks to ESPN, uh, you may have seen or discovered that Michael Jordan uh, just turned 50 years of age and uh, uh, with six NBA titles, five NB- MVPs, 10 scoring titles, and uh, something like 14 all-star appearances, uh, Jordan's legacy on the court, when you think about it, is really unmatched. Uh, And according to a story um, by ESPN senior writer Wright Thompson, life off the court, uh, especially since Jordan's final retirement in 2003, uh, hasn't been so special. I mean, here's Michael Jordan. Here's a man that has revolutionized uh, the sports world for us, and today he's lost, as Thompson describes. Um, he, he, he goes on to say that nothing really does it for him. I mean, he's got anything and everything he could ever want. He's got the big homes. Uh, he's got his own plane. He's got NBA rings and an NBA team. You could say that he's got two handfuls, and what he's discovered is that nothing cuts it for him anymore. And so is it any wonder that Jesus would say, he would say, hey, watch out. Just be careful, be on your guard. What you're going to find and discover is that life, meaning, purpose, and significance does not consist in the abundance of possessions. He goes on to say in verse 16, Jesus told them this parable. He told them a story. He said, hey, look at it like this. Uh, The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I've got no place uh, to store my crops. And so he says, hey, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. I'll get a bigger garage. I'll rent a storage unit for all my stuff so that there I can store up all my surplus grain. And then he said, I'll say to myself, you've got plenty of grain now laid up for all of these years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But look what Jesus said that God would say to him in verse 20, you fool. You want to chase after the wind with your life? He said, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And then Jesus finishes by saying, this is how it will be with whoever whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Jesus says, hey, more doesn't mean better. It just doesn't. And you don't even have to be a Christian to know that and to realize it and maybe to see that in your own life. God's word for us says his wisdom is that one handful with tranquility is so much better than two handfuls with toil because it's, it's like you're chasing after the wind and there's really no purpose to it. Now, before we go any further, I want to just add this. You know, um, I don't think that God cares so much Uh, about what we have. I mean, my point today isn't to make a big deal about having so much as long as we all remember that it all belongs to him, uh, that it all comes from him. And so uh, maybe he doesn't care so much about what you have or what I have, but here's what he does care about. He doesn't want what you have 
to have you. Right? He, he doesn't want what you desire uh, to have you. He, you know, so often that becomes the case for us, and, and that's why you know, his wisdom, his way for us, the better life is a way where one handful of something, it means peace, and it means contentment and perspective, uh, but two handfuls of something are so much more of a burden and, and using the word toil here. And, and so if it's better... And if we choose to go to the Lord's way with this, if we choose to explore this, I mean, if it's better to have less of what doesn't matter so that we can have more of what does, let me just ask you this. What's most important to you? As you think about your life right now, as you think about those things that are around you, as you think about those things that you give your time and attention to, I mean, what would you say right now? Uh, these things are the most important uh, to me. As you think about uh, your relationships, uh, again, as you think about your priorities, what three to four things matter the most to you? Uh, here's what I want you to do. Uh, you've got a card right now. Hopefully, you got one of those message notes when you were coming in. Uh, right there, there are three blanks. Maybe you need a fourth blank. I, I want to give you a moment. Uh, I'm, we're going to just take the time right here. Take a pen if you've got one. And just think about and even write down if you can, what are those three to four things that are most important to you? You've got 30 seconds. Go for it. I'm serious. You shouldn't be looking at me right now. You should be looking at your paper, people. So you've got 30 seconds. Again, what are the three or four most uh, things that are most important to you? All right, you may now look up. So, all right, thanks for playing with me there. But if any of you uh, thought to yourself in that moment, you know what, that's a great question. You know, I, I mean, maybe, maybe you struggled a little bit. You know, I mean, what are those three things that are most important? Consider this. Imagine for a moment uh, that you discovered, that you went to the doctor and you discovered that you had 30 days to live. Right, 30 days to live. My guess is that you or I, we'd start thinking about those things uh, and responding to life a little differently. We'd start focusing on those things that we say or would say uh, matter really most. It kind of reminds me of a, a joke that I heard of the guy that went to the doctor. And uh, the doctor came in and he just kind of had this very discouraged look. And he said, hey, I'm just real, I'm devastated. I'm really sorry to tell you that you've only got 24 hours to live. And, you know, the guy was like, well, okay, I get it. But, you know, why are you so devastated? Why are you so upset over this? And he said, well, because I was supposed to call you yesterday. And uh, I'm just now uh, getting around to it. So, uh, but, uh, seriously, though, uh, what if you, I, I just thought I'd go for it. Give it a try. Um, but seriously, what, what if you discovered that you had 30 days to live? I, I posted this question uh, to my Facebook page this past week, and uh, many of you wrote back, you know, hey, here are some of the things that matter the most to me. And I don't think any of the responses uh, will surprise you. If you read them, they probably didn't surprise you. People wrote, you know, things like my relationship with the Lord. Uh, you know, that would be the most important thing. If I had 30 days to live, uh, uh, the time that I'd spend with my husband or the time that I would spend with my wife or uh, the focus on my children or uh, maybe some time that I'd want to spend with my parents. I mean, for some people, they talked about uh, their church, maybe this church uh, and how important it is or just the goal of really making a difference uh, with your life, maybe forgiving someone. Uh, that you haven't forgiven yet, something that you've put off. Maybe, maybe there's someone in your life right now that doesn't know the Lord, and so you'd use those 30 days to, to really talk to them about what's most important to you. I mean, it sounds about right, right? 
I mean, I mean, these are things that we probably would all consider. We've all written down, I mean, we all know that these are the most important things. I mean, chances are that you wouldn't prioritize things like a bigger house. You know, I got 30 days, I wanna get, finally get that bigger home. Or I got 30 days, I wanna, I wanna get granite countertops. Or, you know, I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna upgrade to the iPhone. I've always wanted the, the, you know, the iPhone 6. Or, you know, you wouldn't see in that last 30 days, okay, how many friends can I get on Facebook? Or how many people will retweet something uh, of mine on Twitter? I mean, we all know that these aren't aren't the most important things. But can I ask you a question? If we all know that these aren't the most important things, why do we make the lesser things the most important things in our life? I mean, we're all guilty. I mean, we all do it. I mean, why do we put off uh, what we could be doing uh, today and right now, I mean, we give so much time and so much attention to these lesser important things. We make them our life and we allow them to dictate our happiness and our satisfaction uh, in all things. I mean, what's most important? Which way is better? God has for us, he says, you know, better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. He says, if I, if, if for you and me, if, if I approach life, if we approach life and we make two handfuls the goal, we get nothing. It's like chasing after the wind. But if I go after what's less important, or if I go after what's less important, if I put all of the emphasis on that instead of what's more important, I'm really missing it. Um, I mean, there's something better to gain. There's a better way. Craig Rochelle uh, calls uh, this better life one handful living, uh, really seeking out one handful living. And, and so he asked, and we're going to ask today, I mean, for those of us that, that want to make 2015 better than 2014, what does that look like? Here's my challenge for you. The first, uh, it's in your notes. Write this down. Uh, I want to challenge you and for all of us to let go of those things that don't matter to start letting go of those things that don't matter. I mean, we all have these things in our life that we give way too much time and effort and attention to, these things that, that don't really matter. The writer of Hebrews says it like this in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verse 1. He just basically says, hey, as you're living your life for the Lord, uh, he says, let us do this. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. Uh, he's using some athletic terminology here. He's saying, hey, we need to throw off or we need to get rid of those things that are gonna weigh us down or uh, distract us or keep us from focusing on the most important things. And so we need to get rid of these things. We need to spend less time uh, worrying about these things uh, so that we can focus more of our time and more of our attention uh, on the Lord and his plan uh, and his will for us. See, here's the truth. Um, God has a way uh, prepared for you. Uh, he, he's got a life uh, for you, a life in mind for you, and, and his way is better than any other way. Uh, his, be his way is better uh, than your way, and, and his way is full of purpose, uh, and it's full of meaning, and it's full of satisfaction. It's a life uh, where you get to play a significant part in the world. I mean, God loves you. I mean, he loves you, and he chose you. Uh, he chose you, and his way for you is better. But unfortunately, what you and I have is we also have a spiritual enemy, and it's his goal uh, to distract you, 
Uh, it's his goal to get you thinking uh, about other things. I mean, your spiritual enemy wants you to, 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 to believe that, that more is better and, and that the lesser things uh, are more important uh, than what should be really important. And so here's what I want to do. As we get started uh, in 2015, I just really think that now is a great time uh, to let go of those things uh, so that we can put more emphasis on the things uh, that really matter uh, for us and to us. And so uh, as you do that, and as you take some time with that, and maybe even as some things come to mind today, I want you to consider uh, what it really means for you to let go of what doesn't matter. Uh, and let me challenge you instead uh, to, to focus more on what does matter and to think about uh, what that is for you. Let me give you a, a few things that can maybe help you in your thinking and in your processing when it comes to what you need to let go of. Um, just three things. Cut back. I want to challenge you just to think about what it means to cut back, um, to throw off, and to, re- to throw out, and to really turn off. And, and let me show you what I mean by that. Um, the first thing is to cut back. Now, um, what do I mean? For, the, for us, I think uh, cutting back has a lot to do with our spending. Uh, I think cutting back has a lot to do uh, with our schedule and the way that we use our time. So let me, let me show you what I mean uh, as we think about what it means to cut back in our spending. What, it, what does letting go or one handful living mean when it comes to your spending? I, I think it just simply means this, that better is a budget. Um, better is financial margin in your life. Um, better is living within your means. Uh, better is giving and generosity. I mean, when it, when it comes to money, when it comes to things like spending, uh, better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls uh, with toil. Now, what's two handfuls when it comes to our spending and when it comes to our money? Uh, I think two handfuls is fighting all the time over money. Uh, two handfuls is worry and greed uh, and stress and anxiety. Two handfuls is buying things that we don't need with money that we don't really have. Uh, two handfuls is tying up every dollar that we make into the things of this world and into savings, and we make little or, or none of our resources available uh, to God. It's a chasing after the wind, uh, as God describes for us. And so what's that look like for you? I mean, if you were to do some evaluation, some processing in your life right now, I mean, what do you need to cut back on? I mean, is money the Lord of your life or is Jesus the Lord of your life? Uh, what's most important? Is money the most important thing? Now, not only do I think we need to do some cutting back when it comes to our spending and when it comes to money, uh, but some of us need to cut back when it comes to the way that we use our time uh, and in our schedules too because here's, here's what I believe. Do you know what I think is killing us uh, more than anything right now? I think it's our pace. I think it's the schedules that we keep. I mean, we have no time. Uh, we have no time. We have no margin anymore. I mean, you go up to somebody, you ask them, how are you doing today? Chances are you're going to hear something, hey, I'm busy. And we're just really busy right now. We've got a lot going on right now. Just got to get through this month or uh, get through these next few months um, because we're really busy. Everyone is really busy. And I think that it's hurting us. And I think that it's hurting our families. Uh, and I think that it's hurting our marriages. And can I be honest with you about something? Um, we're feeling the effects of this as a church right now. Um, I really feel like we're feeling the effects of our ongoing, uh, continual pace, uh, and it's affecting our church. I mean, our attendance uh, here at Genesis over the past year has been so erratic. 
uh, and really so all over the place week after week, and it's difficult to find people to serve. And uh, hey, I, I get it. I know we're busy. I mean, my wife and I feel that pull uh, into the busyness of our culture, and, and I know that your job demands a lot of you, and I know that we love our football, and we've got so much going on all the time, and I just think that so often we allow these lesser important things uh, to pull us away from the things that matter the most. And if you're a Christian, uh, I really believe that as a Christian, you your church should be one of the most important things uh, in your life, and, and not just, again, what this church means to you, but also uh, what you mean to this church and what you mean to Genesis. Uh, you're important to this church. You're a big part of what God is doing here and what He wants to do here and, and do through this place. And attending and, and worshiping is an important part of your growth and my growth as followers of Jesus, but you've got an important part to play here too. I mean, when you're not here and when you're not serving, we feel it and we suffer because you and I, we have an important role to play. Peter said it like this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Genesis, I think these words are for you and I too that we can almost hear Peter say them to us today, that you, Genesis, are a chosen people. You are the people of God. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And what are we called to do? We are here to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into the wonderful life. You and I are a part of his work to help people find their way back to God. And so as you get to thinking about uh, moving away from what's less important so that you can focus more on what's more important. I want to just challenge you this for this year and for 2015. I want to challenge you to cut back on your schedule and to create margin so that you can worship regularly and serve and be a part of this great church and what God's doing here through Genesis. Um, we need you. Uh, you. You have an important part. Every single one of us has an important part to play uh, in this work that we are called to as a church. And so we want to let go of those things that are less important for the things that are more important. We want to let go for the sake of the better. And so uh, maybe consider what cutting back means for you. But the second thing is that to also think about why not take the time to throw some things out. Uh, and, and here's what I mean by this. For some of you, there's never been a better time to donate to Goodwill, all right? I mean, <laughs> right? You've seen the commercial, it's just the truth. Uh, I mean, coming off of Christmas and all of the things that we accumulate, uh, this is a great time of the year to round up, to clean out, to donate, to sell, to pass on uh, to someone else. We did that a few weeks ago in our house. We had this big uh, day of roundup, and we put together as many things as we could. We took them off to Goodwill. Uh, I'm not kidding. My wife opened the back of the van, and the guy went, wow, you guys cleaned out today, and it felt good. I mean, it feels good. Uh, we, had, um, we have all of these Hallmark ornaments, so many of them, and uh, my wife said this year, you know, let's take, I'm going to take about 50 of them, and we're just going to get rid of them. And so th these little boogers are expensive. I mean, if you've ever, if you're into Hallmark ornaments at all, and so we had the boxes and everything, and we rounded up a tub. Well, rather than donate them, I thought, let's make some money off these things at least. And so I put them on Craigslist and nothing for a couple of weeks, and I finally lowered the price. And then I got a response uh, last week uh, from a woman said, hey, I'll buy those. And so I'm like, great. And so uh, if you've ever done any deal on Craigslist before, it always just feels 
feels a little weird, you know, like, okay, well, I'll meet you at such and such a place. Don't bring anybody else. It's just going to be you and me right here, you know. I'll be watching. And, and so, you know, you know what it's like. I mean, it just kind of feels like that. I, you know, here I am. I got these Hallmark ornaments for you. But uh, <laughs> my wife went with me, and uh, we met down at uh, the Einstein Bagels parking lot. It was a great place to do the deal right there at... Uh, Allisonville and 96th Street, and uh, so sure enough, we, we pull in, and this woman identifies my car, and she comes over, and you know, I, so I got this big bag of Hallmark ornaments, and she's like, well, can you just open a few of the boxes to make sure you're not giving me a bag of empty boxes? I'm like, well, yeah, and so I'm opening up and showing her, and well, finally, quickly, the conversation turned to, she said, well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Hallmark ornaments collector. I belong to this online club, and I was thinking, really, people do that? But uh, anyways, and uh, so she said, said, but actually these ornaments aren't for me. She said, you know, there's this woman that's a part of our club and she just had a house fire last week and she's been collecting ornaments for 40 years and she lost all of her ornaments. And so I'm buying these to pass on to her. Now, just a quick little note. If you were here last week, Craig Rochelle challenged us about instant obedience. I'm telling you that in that very moment, the Lord spoke into my life and said, Paul, you give these to her. And uh, I said, hey, I'm just going to give you these. And uh, she took them a little reluctantly at first, and uh, it was just really cool to be a part of that moment and to be blessed by it. And so, I, I don't know what throwing out looks like for you, but I just think as things come in on us sometimes, we kind of feel like we need more, we need more space. And so, is there some throwing out? Is there some eliminating? Is, is there maybe something that you'll give away that could be a treasure uh, to somebody else? Better is one handful, right? with tranquility than two handfuls with toil. And so we cut back, we throw out. Uh, here's something else. As you think about giving uh, more of your time and attention to the things that, that really matter, I, I want to challenge you to think about what it means for you to turn off uh, some things too. Uh, you know, we, we're, we're great at this as Americans. I mean, we waste so much time on things like TV and, and media. Now, listen, uh, my wife and I have loved all of the Friends episodes on Netflix over the past couple of weeks. Anybody there with me? I mean, have you enjoyed going back and watching all of these Friends episodes? But here's the thing. Do you know what? Um, watching reruns on Netflix isn't going to change the world. All right? I mean, it's just, it's not going to happen. And I'm not saying that we can't enjoy things like these. I mean, moderation is everything. All right? And you've got to ask what moderation means for you. But I, I just want to say, don't waste your life watching TV. Uh, don't, 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 don't waste or lose your marriage or lose your kids or uh, the time with them uh, watching TV. I mean, don't, don't miss a chance to make a difference for somebody else or, uh, because you can't turn off the PlayStation uh, or turn off the video game system. I mean, and along those lines, uh, some of us, we need some better boundaries uh, when it comes to things uh, like our phone, uh, like this guy, check this out. I don't know if you see, saw this or not, this one in the news, that referee right there is talking on his phone as he referees this basketball game. No, no kidding. Now we look at that and think, well, that's ridiculous. I mean, who would ever do anything like that? Well, shouldn't we sort of think the same thing when we walk into a restaurant and you see a whole table of family members and every single one of them is looking at their phone? Guys, I'm just saying, I mean, I carry it with me too, but this thing has become an idol for us. And we give so much of ourselves and so much time and so much attention and so much focus uh, to our phone uh, when we should be more focused on the more important things. And so turn it off. 
Um, put it away once in a while. I mean, establish some boundaries. Have somebody in your life hold you accountable when it comes to things like your phone uh, and your computer, especially when you're at home and with your family. I mean, let go of some of these things so that you can focus on the more important things. Now, maybe you want to stop there and say, okay, what am I supposed to do with all of this time uh, that you're freeing uh, up for us? Well, how about this? Meet people. Invite people into your home. Uh, make it a goal. Look around our church and say, you know, I want to get to know people at Genesis. I'm going to just start inviting people, inviting families uh, into my house. Play games with your kids. Um, read a book. Uh, find a place to serve in the community. Serve at your school. Uh, serve uh, here at Genesis. Do more of what has the potential uh, to make a difference uh, for someone else. Uh, Todd Henry wrote this book uh, entitled Die Empty. Somebody sent me uh, this quote this past week that I thought was so good. He writes it like this. He says, imagine for a moment that you will have a guest accompanying you throughout your day tomorrow. This person's task will be to follow you around from the moment you wake up until the moment you fall asleep. They will take copious notes about your schedule, how you interact with your family and friends, how you engage in your tasks and projects, and your mindset through it all. Once the day is over, this person will spend the next few days processing their observations, drawing conclusions about your motivations, and they'll compile their notes into a book that will stand as the definitive record of your life and work. And what would that book say about me? What would that book say about you and your life and what's most important to you? And, and is whatever you're doing right now, is it satisfying? Is it working? And maybe the best question is, is it what God wants for you? Is it his better way? Better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. It's about giving up what's less important so that we can focus on uh, what's more important. Um, I was reading this past week. I don't know if, you ever, if any of you remember, but uh, there was a day back in February 2008 where Starbucks closed their doors uh, across the nation. Uh, true story. And uh, kind of went like this. In February of 2008, Starbucks decided to close for an afternoon, and a note posted on their 7,100 doors at the time just simply had a message that read this, we're taking time to perfect our espresso. Uh, great espresso requires practice, and so that's why we're taking the afternoon uh, to honor our craft. Well, the decision was made by the chairman and, and chief executive Howard Schultz uh, after taking back the reins of the company. Uh, after it had lost a bit of its edge uh, with the economy. Well, Wall Street couldn't believe it, and many customers and, uh, complained, and yet in the end, the move proved to steer Starbucks uh, away from troubled water. It got them more focused on what they would say were the most important things. And so for three hours uh, on this one particular afternoon, instead of selling products, all 135,000 employees at the time went through training on what they called the Starbucks experience. Uh, they focused on the basics again, they, uh, on how to pull a great shot of espresso. And, and instead of selling again, these three, for these three hours, the company focused on retraining. Here's my question for you. Uh, and my question for us today, if Starbucks can take an afternoon off to perfect their espresso, what can you do? What can you and I do? What time can we take to step back and to rethink our priorities so that maybe we can start refocusing on things like our relationships, uh, maybe your health or your life? I mean, what are you going to do to make sure that you're focusing on the better or on the most important things. You know, maybe, 
Maybe you walk away from here today and you just schedule some time this week, uh, some intentional time. You put it on your calendar. You say, you know what? I'm going to take those two hours. I'm going to take those three hours and I'm just going to refocus. And you look at your notes, you look at that list, and you just get back to thinking and evaluating the most important things to you. You prioritize and you come up with a plan, maybe a plan to change uh, what you're spending your time doing and how to execute that plan. I mean, now's a great time to be thinking about your priorities. I did this over the past couple of weeks. And for me, I, I outlined, hey, these are the four priorities for me in my life right now. Number one being my relationship with the Lord. I know that I can't exchange or trade my relationship with the Lord uh, for anything. Number two for me is my relationship with my wife. And I love my wife and the time and the effort that we put into our marriage and how important that is for us and for our marriage and for our children. Number three for me are my kids. I mean, I am best suited to be their dad, all right? And I want them to get the very best of me. And so just asking those questions, am I giving them my time and focus and attention? On Friday, uh, they were away at school, and I was going back and just reminiscing and looking at all of these pictures uh, that we've accumulated over the last 11 years since Joel was born and watching videos, and I was crying and had all these tears in my eyes. And and in that moment, I just found myself asking, have I been fully present? Because I'm not getting any of these moments back. And so from this day forward, I want to make sure that I am fully present, that I'm giving everything uh, for my kids. Number four for me being my ministry. I'm so grateful for the calling that the Lord has put on my life. I love being your pastor. I can't imagine serving anywhere else but Genesis Church. And I want God to do even greater things through me and in my life and not only here but outside of here. And as I'm living my life with with my neighbors, what is it for you? What are the most important things? What do you need to let go of? so that you can get back to focusing on the most important things. You know, I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit might be doing some work in your life this morning. Uh, He might convict you of some sin in your life right now. And you might confuse that for guilt, but it's really His conviction as He desires to bring us back, as He desires to get us thinking about the more important things. And I just pray that you'll let Him, that you'll let Him use this time, or you'll let Him use this afternoon, or any time that you're going to set aside, uh, because if there are things that have gotten in the way of you from focusing on the more important things, things like loving Him, loving the Lord, and serving the Lord, or your marriage, or your friends, or family, uh, listen. Let Him do that work in your life. Let Him show you what to do next. Uh, Let him do this work. Pray and listen to what God has to say for you. And as you do that, and as you begin to see his way and really move in that way, I want to challenge you uh, finally to let go of what doesn't matter so that you can fight. Uh, It's in your notes. Fight for what matters most. Don't waste your life. Don't buy into today's culture uh, that that more is better. Let go of what doesn't matter so that you can take hold of uh, what does matter because your life is too important. And God wants to use you, and he wants to bless you, and he wants to satisfy you. And uh, no matter what's happened up to this point, it's not too late for you. And it's not too late for your marriage, and it's not too late with your kids. And and he can save them, and he can restore your strength, and he can heal you, and he can provide for what you need. And so don't waste this life uh, on the things that don't matter. And, And as you look at your list, and as you think about those things, that you would say, that you would write down are the most important to you, the last thing I have for you is this, and that is to make Jesus your one. Just coming back to what we talked about last week, to make Jesus your one. And here's what I mean by this. Jesus doesn't want to be just a priority in your life. He's not satisfied with simply making the top three. He wants to be everything for you. 
He doesn't want you to just invite him into your life. He wants you to give him permission and way to be the Lord of your life and the Lord over everything. Um, Jesus said it this way and demonstrated it too in the way that he lived in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, when he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He said these words and he demonstrated them in the way that he lived. And so let go of what doesn't matter. Fight for those things that do matter and make Jesus your one. Better is one handful with tranquility and peace and purpose than two handfuls with toil and foolish things and chasing after the wind. Let's pray together. Father, we want to we wanna hear from you today. And uh, we're trusting that we have and trusting, Lord, that all throughout this room that, that people are hearing from you and different things and different aspects of their life. God, we, we invite you now and we give you permission to say what you want to say. God, would you enlighten our hearts today? Um, And for those that are here today that are maybe experiencing some conviction right now, Lord, we seek your forgiveness. Uh, We ask, Lord, that you would forgive us of our sins, that you would forgive us for those things that have distracted us and moved us in wrong directions, Lord. And so uh, I I pray that we might experience your forgiveness uh, and know the truth that it's there for us as we go looking for it. Uh, And and as we experience that forgiveness, Lord, I pray that it would motivate us and propel us uh, to move towards the better things. Uh, Change our direction, Lord. Give us the strength and faith to make changes as we think about our priorities, as we think about the way that you've called us to, Lord. Give us the strength and faith. For those that are here today, Lord, and maybe finding uh, themselves or their marriage in a place of hurt or pain right now, Lord, give us hope and faith in you as we trust you, as we make you the one. We put all of our hope in you. Can you do that today? As we pray, some of you need to do that today. And uh, maybe for you, maybe the work that the Lord's doing in your life right now is helping you see that, hey, you've never invited me in. Let me in. Maybe you're hearing those words from him today. You can do that right now. Don't put it off. Maybe you just pray today, Lord, I want to put my hope in you. Lord, I'm opening my heart to you. Forgive me. Rule my life. You can pray that prayer today and invite Jesus in to make him your one. And for all of us, maybe this is just a time of renewal too. Father, we want to make you our one because we realize that when we put you first above everything else, that you just have this way of working in us so that all things fall in their appropriate order. God, do that in our lives. Give us the conviction to trust you and to move towards you and to move towards the better things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.